Let's start rolling. Here, ready? This is the first fart that we ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going to edit that out, Matt. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> I was going to put my mic towards it, but then I was like, no, I got to put my mic back towards my face. That's how you get pink eye. Pink mouth. <laughs> See, this is gold. Why would you Why would you not record this? <laughs> this is a completely different. That's a completely different thing. <laughs> oh, my God. The Launchpad Fartcast? <laughs> I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. <laughs> Dude, while we're on that topic, I've had Mr. Freeze for like almost three years. I heard him fart two nights ago for the first time ever. Really? And it was like nonchalant. It was just a little like, and he didn't like, he was sleeping. Everyone else was out of the room. It was like this little understated thing. I didn't make a big deal about it, but I was, I was excited. Dude, Rufio will fart and scare himself. Like, whoa, who was that? Is that good? Right. And I've seen, like, I've had dogs in the past do that, or at least like look at themselves like, what was that? Yeah. Freeze, I've never smelt it. I've never heard it. And then just the other day, it was just me and him. And he just, just let a little one crack. My baby, Sammy, she'll toot. And you'll be like, oh, that had to have been poop. That that smells so <laughs> yeah. bad. That has to be poop. And then you check and there's nothing there. And you're like, oh, you phantom pooping me. And then you put the diaper back on. Then <laughs> that. Okay. Okay. Now that has to be poop. And you check and you're like, nothing. Man, kid. I don't like. She's firing blanks. Yeah. Firing blanks. You're clearing. <laughs> like that would clear a room if there were other people here. The dog runs away. He's like, no, don't. Don't shit on me, kid. <laughs> Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. <laughs> I'm Matt. <laughs> I'm glad we wasted our intro on baby talk, farts, and shits. I mean, we are a classy-ass podcast. What do you mean wasted? That's like comedy gold, like tried and true for years. Like cavemen stand-up comedians are joking about farts. (laughs) 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 Silent but deadly. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, I'll give warning next time. (laughs) <laughs> but the caveman comedians if you didn't slay they just stoned you to death and then ate you so you know <laughs> i feel like people just thumbs us down on the internet i'm trying to make a caveman like playing at a club joke but uh, <laughs> seems like a lot of effort for something that's not even what our topic is today we're not even talking about cavemen <laughs> or farts Ugh just got into town boy my pterodactyl tired <laughs> 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 Crow Magnums be walking like this. Uh, uh, uh. Homo sapien be walking like this. This is so stupid. All right, now here's the thing, okay, guys listening. Aaron and I are cracking each other up right now over this stupid nonsense. Are you guys just waiting till we get to the real conversation and you're like, like, we're that friend to you and you're just like, uh, I got to put up with this because I know they'll say something interesting later. Or are you guys also laughing? Please let us know if you think the fart and and cavemen stand up comedy routines (laughs) are funny to you or is that just a Matt and Aaron thing? They're not hearing any of this. They've already hit the skateboard (laughs) 30 30 sets in the head. Oh boy. Well, guys, because I didn't get to an intro, you know, you know how it goes. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at launchpadpod and our website launchpadpod.com. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into our Mandalorian season 2 conversation with Kyle. That was a good time. It was a great time, right? Rewind. I swear to god you said tooting in. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to make that joke, but I'm pretty sure you said that. <laughs> Oh no, that God. was awesome. And if you guys, you know, we, we're, we've gotten some really good comments about that stuff. And we know that you like that nerd stuff as much as we do. And Mandalorian is just delivering, delivering, delivering. We had our buddy Kyle come on and he fucking knows like he's like a Mandalorian historian. Ooh, that sounds like a great song. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, blew my mind there, man. Yeah. Historian. 
Um, but it's <laughs> cool if you guys haven't, you know, if you haven't listened to those episodes, first of all, if you haven't seen the Mandalorian season two yet, get on it. Even I've yeah. seen it by now. But uh, if you haven't listened to our two part episode on that, check it out because we get into some Easter eggs. We get into some did you knows. We t- point out some stuff in the background and also tie up some ends. So it's a it's a fun it's definitely a fun romp and it's fun to to talk with Kyle about that stuff because he knows it more than us even but he loves it just as much so that's that's a fun conversation to have so it's a fun conversation we we like to think it's a fun conversation Elizabeth. it's better than this one for sure <laughs> it's been pretty good it's fun I I had a great time talking to Kyle about it I love the Mandalorian it was it was amazing man the new year I mean we're we're here we're in 2021 mm. I feel like 2021 looked at 2020 and said. Hold my beer, because so far it's been bonkers, man. Yeah. It's like a couple of days, and I keep seeing a meme that says, I'd like to cancel my subscription to 2021 because I've, <laughs> you know, in the first seven days were not what I expected. Yeah, it's, um, oh man. I mean, just so people have a timestamp, you know, here we are, it's January. Whoa, Today's the 10th. January 10th. Uh, so anybody who can remember back that far when this comes out, yeah, it's been a bonkers fuck week, man. I I didn't even know what to think. I don't think we need to get into it because let's just let's just escape for a moment. We have some big announcements for for 2021. There's going to be some changes to the Launchpad podcast. Right off the bat, we are going to switch to a bi-weekly show. Every other week we're going to release. So that's less shows, but we hope that they are better and we hope that they are just as funny as usual and I think that it's just going to help us keep delivering content in a way that we can keep up with because we both have children now. We both have babies in our lives. We both have jobs. I'm not apologizing. I'm excited to keep it going. I'm excited to bring you guys what you love and hopefully get to do cooler things with that extra time. Maybe we can start uh, delivering some more collaborations with other podcasts and other creative people. <laughs> you're, you're, you're trying to sell it as like that we're going to try to, you know, double down and focus on the every other week. And everyone listening right now is like, just so I get this right, your first attempt is caveman stand-up comedians. That's what we've been waiting for. <laughs> the same quality of Launchpad Podcast in half the episodes. I know for some of you, this is not how you wanted to kick off 2021. No, you know what it is? We, it, it's like you said, there's definitely some family stuff going on, but also... We have some ideas that we've been working on for a while now, and we feel like that we kind of want to pull the trigger on them, but we can't pull the trigger on them correctly the way that we're doing it right now. So we're going to try to take some stuff from the back burner to the front burner, and we will. You know, I mean, we'll let you know when that happens, but you'll you'll know if we get these ideas off the ground. But oh, the, you'll know. Oh, you'll know. <laughs> in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> Ugg hanging out with Mammoth Friend taking piss at Waterhole. Mammoth Friend turned to Ugg and say, That's cute, but can you drink with it? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) You can't cut out the fart stuff at the beginning of the episode now because it's too ingrained, right? So if you cut out my fart at the beginning, none of this really makes sense contextually. (laughs) Yeah, dude, you locked it in there. Here it is. <laughs> well, what 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 are we actually going to talk about today? Do we already do our our theme song, or we have to do our theme song? There's a theme song in there somewhere. Editing, magic of editing. I, we're going to double down and focus on making high quality products. I don't even know how to edit anymore. I don't even know where I'm sticking the theme song. I put the theme song in. <laughs> Matt kicked off this recording with a nice big juicy fart, and now I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> Wait, that was at best that was a medium. At best, that wasn't a big. <laughs> Um, <laughs> guys, rewind. Listen to the fart. You tell us. <laughs> For real, we think this is hysterical. And like, I think that when we make jokes about like topics that we care about, it's also hysterical. But we're dying here. Is this boring for you guys, or are you guys like grow the fuck up? Like, are you somebody? <laughs> somebody's got their Grogu in their arm and a Mandalorian helmet on right now, and they're just like. <laughs> Waiting. This is not the way. This is not the way. (laughs) I also love the idea of our listeners like coming to our shows, our radio shows in cosplay. Like they're just so excited. They dress up. (laughs) Get my Grogu. Got my Mandalorian helmet on. I got my Beskar spear. And Mm. these guys are talking about cavemen. Oh my God. Well, Matt, we might as well give them what they came for. 
I've been watching some stuff here and there where I can. Smooth know. transition, man. <laughs> <laughs> I am a master. Yeah, keep it up. All right, so you've been watching some stuff. I got two shows, two TV shows on HBO Max that I've been watching, and I've been loving and the first one I want to talk to is some kung fu badassery. This is a TV show called Warrior. Have you heard about this? No, I don't know anything about it. Okay. So there's two seasons. It used to be on Cinemax and it got it's in limbo on third season, but has two seasons that are out on HBO Max now. It originally aired on Cinemax. It is an American action drama television series and takes place in San Francisco in like the 1800s, 1870. And this was a concept, a treatment by Bruce Lee from like the 70s. Okay. And it never got made because Hollywood was racist. And all these, these filmmakers and these martial artists and these stuntmen, they took his original treatment and turned it into a real show. So it takes place in the 1870s in San Francisco during what they call the Tong Wars. And it follows this guy who gets right off the boat. And he's a, he's a smart mouth, ass kicking, badass dude, just like Bruce Lee would have been if he was in this TV show. He gets off the boat, immediately kicks some dude's asses, and the gang, like the local gang's, like, "Yo, you should come work for us." He's like, "Cool." So they show up. They're you know kicking ass all over the place. Turns out he's looking for his sister, trying to find out where she is. There's a lot of like fun melodrama. The lines are kind of cheesy, but it works because of the style. It's really good production value. It reminds me of like a martial arts Deadwood in a way. The music is amazing. Like every time the fight scenes kick off, it's like 70s crazy rock guitar in a way that I love. Do you want to check out some of the music? You want to hear some of this? Yeah, go for it. All right, let me pull this up. Oh, I thought you were going to do like an impression. Yeah, that's what I'm for. Oh, like that? Okay. Now our listener in the Mandalorian gear with the Grogu is rocking out. Pretty cool. And it takes place in the 1800s? Yeah. So the music is is kind of anachronistic for it, but it's really cool. And I, I think it's badass. The fight scenes are awesome. I mean, right off the bat, there's this bitchin' fight scene in a brothel. Nice. Yeah, where these dudes show up with hatchets. And I love me a hatchet fight. I mean, one of the best hatchet fights ever is in Jackie Chan's uh, Legend of the Drunken Master. And like 100 dudes with hatchets come and chase him down. This show's, it's just really fun. I've had a great time. I've watched three episodes so far, and all of them have been really bitching. Really fun, really cool. And you said it's already two seasons in with a possible third season coming? Maybe. Third season is up in the air. Does that mean that the show is two years old, or was it from a while ago? Came out in April 5th, 2019, so it's like a okay, year so old. it's new. Yeah, the whole it's, show, it's oh, new. new. It's really cool. Really fun. I've just been really into it. I think. I think it's... It's a good one. People should check it out, especially if you're into like 70s martial arts movies. This is a really great sort of passing of the torch to a modern style of making a show, but it has so many nods and such a vibe and spirit to like a 70s kung fu movie. Oh, I wish that I'd known you were going to jump into kung fu stuff because I recently, I have a bunch of other movies prepared to talk about today and they're all in very similar vein to each other, but not to what you're saying. But during Christmas, there was a big sale, and I bought Criterion released a five-disc Bruce Lee compendium uh, with his five, pretty much his five biggest movies, and they're just fucking great. Even there's like one or two that are not great. They're great. He's f just a fucking marvel to watch. There's a couple people like that that's just like, it's almost like mesmerizing, and it's almost like when you think about like the Star Wars prequels or the... Um, Avengers movies, sometimes it's too much razzle-dazzle and like they make a fight scene that's so long that like you lose interest in it, you know? Yeah. I don't think I could have that with Bruce Lee. Like I guess contextually I wouldn't care about the scene, but I could just watch him because he's magic. The way he moves, the way he acts, the way his face is, and also his fucking body. It is unreal how he moves. It's crazy to watch. But I guess I'll talk about those movies specifically uh, later. But The Chinese Connection, which is also known as, I think, Fist, I think it's Fist of Fury, is fucking, it's one of my favorites so far. I love the one where he fights Chuck Norris and, like, rips his chest hair out with his hands. I think that And, like, th that whole fight scene, no way of the dragon. 
I think that might be the one where he's not um, he's not in it the whole time because no, dead. that's Game of Death. There's one that he's not in it the whole time and he wears a motorcycle yeah. helmet and stuff. Game of Death. I, I do remember that one goes crazy and there's shots where like sometimes it's like somebody with like a mask on. Yeah, it looks like it. But in Way of the Dragon, when he fights Chuck Norris, I love this scene because they're like in the Coliseum fighting mm-hmm. and like and like all these kittens are watching and the kittens are like, whoa, badass dude, whoa. And like their reactions <laughs> to them kicking ass is, is amazing. Is that the dub voices for the kittens? Like the English dub has them going, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, check this guy's out. <laughs> um, but it, that one's good. I love any scene where he gets gets some some uh, nunchakus out and like kicking ass with nunchucks. That's amazing. It's any, ridiculous. Anytime. I'll watch, I'll watch him with some nunchucks anytime. There's certain people that like, you know, like it's a trope for an action hero to laugh in the face of danger and shit talk and just walk into a fight, even if they're not sure they can win or even if you know that they know they might not win this fight, they're not going to let you know that. They're going to say some, some baller shit. He's like one of the kings of that. And I think most of the times when you watch like Bruce Willis or somebody say it, it registers to me, but like I don't, I don't have that feeling every single time of, oh, man, he's a badass. With Bruce Lee, it's like every time he says something or he does like a little a flick of his nose with his thumb and yeah, he yeah, just yeah. stares down the guy, you're like, oh, shit. You know, it's like it doesn't matter. You know that he's going to fuck shit up. He was so good at the shit talk and smile while kicking your ass. Yeah, yeah. And he, it's just, he's so small, too. That's the thing. It's like a, like I... When you watch him, it's like a coiled spring. He just looks like yeah. a coiled spring the whole time. It's fucking unreal. Enter the Dragon, man. Enter the just, Dragon is probably, well, I mean, it's the most known, I guess, but it's definitely sure. one of my favorites, but. I mean, and he just didn't make that many movies, unfortunately, mm. but every one of them was pretty fun. There's something, there's something redeeming in every one. Even the one, like you said, that he's not in that much, Game of Death, the the famous one against uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Like, holy mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. And probably his most iconic costume. Every one of his movies has a fight scene that's just like, that was badass. There's some fight scenes that are at least worth fast-forwarding to. The ones, the two that I've watched so far, and I'm watching them in chronological order, the big, big bad at the end is mm-hmm. like some older guy who is not in any sort of peak physical shape, and one of them had glasses. Now, nothing against people that are wearing glasses. I'm wearing glasses. Not the most intimidating look, you know? And like this, the one that I just watched, it's him and a guy, a guy who must be at least five to ten years older than him. Not muscular. I mean, Bruce Lee is fucking chiseled. This guy is just a guy and he's wearing glasses. And even if he's supposed to be the best karate or kung fu guy in the world, you just look at those two guys and visually you're like, how could this be a fight? You know, it's almost like Batman and the Joker. There's times where certain iterations of Batman and the Joker, you're like, I don't care how crazy Joker is or what tricks he might have up his sleeve. How is that any, how is that going to be yeah. a physical confrontation? You know? And then, then this scene plays out at the end of this movie where Bruce Lee's fighting this guy with glasses and it's, it's set up in such a way that you're supposed to be like, uh-oh, is he the guy that gets the best of Bruce Lee? And you're like, no, he's <laughs> no. not. I don't even have to watch them throw a punch. I'm just looking at that guy. It's prejudice, <laughs> but I'm looking at that guy and I'm like, no fucking way. <laughs> but it's still fun to watch him get his ass kicked, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess it is. Did you see the uh, 30 for 30 be water about Bruce Lee? No. So, you know, the 30 for 30 docuseries that ESPN does? No. ESPN has a massive library of really good documentaries and they're called the 30 for 30 series. And they have that. I'm not a big sports guy. I don't I don't really I couldn't tell you much, but I will watch a 30 for 30 anytime because mm. they are so good. They're so interesting. It's like behind the scenes. There's one of my favorites is called Winning Time, Winning Time, Reggie Miller's versus the New York Knicks, 30 for 30. But they did one about Bruce Lee and it's called 30 for 30, Be Water. Because that was one of his big saying, you be like water, sometimes water can crash and sometimes water can flow. You need right. to be like water. And I, I, I it, it's really good. It's really cool behind the scenes, Bruce Lee stuff, really neat telling his story and kind of telling how hard it was for him in Hollywood. This dude kept getting screwed yeah. over in Hollywood. His ideas, his scripts, his stories, his talent was used and often co-opted by you know white guys because they're like, nobody wants to see you. 
be a star. And it was like, that sucks because yeah, we did. And he was a star and he was awesome. And hearing those stories is kind of a bummer, but at the same time, his resilience to keep being like, no, I'm, I'm going to keep going and keep showing people what I can do, show people the, the power of martial arts, show people the discipline. It was awesome. Really cool documentary. Definitely mm. worth watching 30 for 30. Watch any of them. But that one, if you're, you know, specifically, if you dig Bruce Lee, that's the one. I'm trying to think of a, a joke to say, Oh, is there a 30 for 30 for this character? But I can't think of any. <laughs> Bring that quality say, in 2021. Yeah, I was going to say for a caveman, and I decided that joke was not funny enough, but then I verbalized that I wasn't able to come up with a joke. So the, yeah, this is this is what you could expect from the Launchpad <laughs> Podcast this year. Can you imagine a trailer for this year? If we cut a trailer right now, it would just be like a bunch of like, uh, and flubs and uh, farts. Uh, <laughs> and then it just cuts to like me with the like... Ho- like the horn Jamiroquai hat running through our podcast set going ah, and smashing down windows. Yeah, that's pretty much 2021. Uh, so you've been watching some Bruce Lee movies. That's badass. I, I, I love Kung Fu, man. I hope we get into some more Kung Fu this year because we, we haven't really talked a lot about it. I know I've brought it up on some what have you been watching, but I love Kung Fu movies. And it's There's a great, so it really is a good movies. genre because like it's one of those things that like I think you, like if you look at you and me, you like Kung Fu as a genre more than I do. But when I watch one, it's just one of the ones I don't I don't sample that genre as much. But when I do, right. it's fucking fun. And almost like horror, you almost can't lose. Because if you watch it and it's good, great. If great. you watch it and it's bad, great. Like it's still great. fucking fun, yes. you know? And and there's so uh, there's it's it's interesting because a lot of those I guess not a lot, but many kung fu movies are international. So it's really interesting to watch the differences of how film and I, I'll say was because Kung Fu movies pretty much are a genre that is not made as much anymore. But it's always interesting to watch other other um, other countries film conventions and, yep. you know, the 70s Kung Fu is its own thing. And it's fun to watch that. It's fun to check out that style and stuff. I mean, I've watched hundreds of Kung Fu movies and they are all very similar. It's always like you dishonored my school. My, mm-hmm. my kung right. fu school or my kung fu master, master. Or you killed my kung fu master revenge is needed let me pit my style against your style mm. and then you know all the casualties of this war in between it's you know west side story with a lot less dancing yeah. instead of dancing it's kung fu which is way cooler yeah it's dancing where feet connect to faces yes right? <laughs> people are like i didn't expect a broadway musical to be thrown in as a reference to 2021 yeah you keep you on your toes we're gonna keep you on your toes hey we have a, a broad breadth of inst- interests <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's like five of our listeners were like wait what and then they went like this <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're dancing and snapping when you reject you reject to the oh man is any of your other things in this realm or cause I, I'm going to make I, my things are a hard left turn from what we're talking about. Um, definitely not in this realm. My, my next one is an international. It's a, it's a, a show from Spain. Ah, muy bien. The other show I've been watching is 30 coins. Have you heard about this? No, but well, I, I saw it on our, <laughs> some of my like hip pop culture references come from our own social media when Rumi posts. So like pretty much we split some social media d- duties, but Rumi does most of the social media stuff or at least like you most said of proactive duty. Stuff. <laughs> 2021. Um, but yeah, you post you, the other day you posted like, stop what you're doing right now and go watch 30 coins. And once Did I you? like, I haven't yet, but I actually, we did just, <laughs> you and our social media are not the boss of me. Uh, oh, but they okay. should be the boss of you. You guys should listen to all our social media. And if Rumi tells you to go do something, you do it. <laughs> no, but it's, uh, we, we actually just got HBO Max like within the last day or so. But it, it, if you say it, like you're one of those people, obviously, if you say something's worth it, I got to check it out. But that's that's where it became on my radar. So hit us, hit us with that. Tell us a little bit about that. So 30 Coins is, it's in Spanish. You know, you'll be reading it, but everybody's voice is so smooth and cool. So it's awesome. And it's this like, hard luck priest man he is obviously been through some shit you know, they always cut to him like in his home like hitting the punching bag and he's just trying to stay mentally strong and you can tell he's like going through a lot of anguish but he's in this like kind of rural town in spain and the show opens with this cow that's pregnant and the local like vet i guess is 
giving birth to this cow, you know, th- this pregnant cow and a human baby comes out and everybody's like, uh, that's not normal. And some people are like, it's the devil. Some people are like, it's a miracle. And the mayor and this veterinarian are like, we better go see the priest. So they go to the priest and he's like, it's a hoax. You know, you guys must have, must be wrong. It was a hoax. You can't have, cows can't have babies. And they explain it in this cool way where they're like, he acts like a skeptic, but he believes more than we do. The priest who's saying The priest, that? yeah. Okay. He's trying to convince them that it's, it's something, there's a better explanation for it. Like you or I would, skeptics. But they can tell that he's like shook over this. Mm-hmm. And some crazy shit starts happening. We get a scene where in Switzerland, this guy with like this weird necklace on walks into a bank Starts soaking bullets, man. Everybody's shooting him. He's shooting people. He w- just walks through the bank, goes into the safe, steals a coin, walks back out. Everybody's shooting at him. He's just taking all the bullets. He gets in a car. Some new priest, a new priest that we haven't seen. That priest says, give me the coin. He hands him the coin. The priest grabs the amulet that he's wearing, the, the necklace, pulls it off, and the guy immediately dies. And he opens the amulet, and there's another coin in there. And there are these old Roman coins. And it comes to this, like start telling the story where it's like Catholic mythology. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and somebody there's like magic embedded in these coins is trying to collect all 30 pieces of silver. And anybody who has these coins has some sort of power. And the priest has one of these coins and these demons keep, keep trying to come for him. This show is crazy, man. So the veterinarian goes and she goes to visit this baby to be like, okay, how's that cow baby doing? And they're like, oh, he's great. He's walking. She's like, uh, he's two days old. And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's doing great. He's so hungry. And you see the creepiest shot of this little baby, like leaning around a corner. And you're like, no, a human baby, okay. right? A human baby, but he has like an evil face and he's walking. You're like, that's not okay. People start going crazy. You know, you get the classic like possessed thing where like an old lady who doesn't know the priest is like, I'm here for you. Give us what we want. And he's like, ah. a monster <laughs> shows up. That is one of the coolest monsters I've seen in a long time. Holy shit. Really? I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but it is a really cool monster. There's some practical effects. They do a great job of when the monster's close up and in your face, they use a practical head. To, to menace people but then like when he's far away and this this he's got like six legs this monster does so when he's like crawling around it's cgi but like okay you know great yeah I, I i expect that at this point but when he's close up and it counts to see the monster and to believe that it's real they do some really cool practical effects the gore is insane each episode we've watched there's only two episodes out another one comes out tonight each episode has been slow at the beginning kind of laying the groundwork, but by the end, you're like, holy shit, hanging on to the edge of your seat. There's um, somebody does the, you know, the Joker smile. They cut cut into their, their lip. They put a mm. knife in their mouth and pop it out the side. That scene alone was fucking crazy to make it even gnarlier. It's like a 14-year-old girl who does it. You're like, oh, shit. And she's doing it to taunt the priest. She's possessed. And she's like, she's like, I'll tell him it was you. Bam. And you're like, God damn. Like so many great, like horror moments. And I want to see where it goes because it is, like I said, it, it starts slow and it is kind of daytime television in that sense. It's a little bit of a melodrama or a telenovela even if you want to be Spanish about it. But I think it's a bitchin' show. I think it's really well done and I can't wait to see where they go with it. Is it a, like, would you say it's a horror genre or it has horror elements? Yes, it's horror. Yeah, because okay. it's all about, it's, it's, in the vein of The Exorcist, where it's like Catholic mysticism and evil cabals, you know, the, the, it, they keep cutting back to the Vatican and they're obviously plotting and planning and they're up to no good. And these bishops are doing some evil shit and possessing people. And, you know, there's some evil priests and good priests. And I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see where it goes, but it's definitely steeped in horror and Catholic mythology. Any of that stutter, stutter step stop shit that I hate? Not yet. Okay. I hate that bullshit. Eye roll. Can't hear it. Did you, when I, when your eyes rolled, did we see every frame of it or did they like jump around? (laughs) (laughs) No, none of that shit so far. So 30 coins, 30 coins. Yeah, it is. 
It's pretty cool. But I mean, I, I, I will say if you watch 15 minutes and you're like, I'm not into it, get to the end of the first episode because the monster in that, in that first episode was so freaking cool. And watching it, it opened my mind to better creature design. Because mm. think about this. Let me, let me put this out. Think about the coolest monsters. And they show you the monster, they show you the monster, and then there's nothing else to give. And this show did something where it showed you the monster in bits and pieces, like you saw him running across the road in car headlights. And you're like, what the fuck was that? You see his power ripping off car doors, but you don't see a lot of him. But then they saved an element for that perfect moment that made you go, what the fuck? And it escalated that monster. And it's like a lot of people give it away immediately. But like, mm. think about aliens. Like this thing bursts out of the chest and you're like, that is the in most insane thing I've ever seen. But then the fact that he has a mouth inside of his mouth mm. was a what the fuck moment. Yeah. You need to save a piece of your monster to ramp it up at some point. And just when you thought it was scary enough, add something to your creature to make it even scarier. So kind of like, like as an example, like you watch Jaws and he's killing people and then slowly we start to see it. Then at the end, like we finally see, we see the reveal, but then in the last scene when he actually has a chainsaw, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, if that, if that's how Jaws worked for sure. <laughs> but I mean, I think like the Demogorgon, think about uh stranger things, the Demogorgon, you see him and he's got that like flower head, mm -hmm. but like when you finally realize that he can open that up and you're like, yeah. oh shit, like an element that adds an extra layer to it that's freaking cool. That would be a cool episode would be like best creatures from a from a storytelling point of view, not just the ones that we think were cool oh. to, to look at oh, per se, yeah, but like man. how do, how does a creature function in a movie? Because you're right. I've seen movies that were great movies with a shit creature. I've seen great movies with a great creature, but they either showed it way too late or way too early, so it brings the whole you know, overall stock value down of that movie. You know what I mean? Like, do you yeah. ever see Relic with Tom Sizemore? I was just thinking about Relic. Right? Relic is an okay movie with a pretty great concept. It's a great concept. The creature is freaking awesome, done pretty well by Stan Winston Studios, but yeah. it like, it was almost like they were kind of afraid to show too much of it and or didn't know when to show, when to do, like you said, like that headlight reveal where it's a quick thing where you're like, what did I just see? And when to show big pieces of it. And then like you see it, like you see it CG on the ceiling and you're like, wait, it's way too early to be showing me that much of it. And, but then you have that like, well, clearly at the end, they'll surprise me with something and they really don't. And you're like, ah, that was kind of a waste. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That's one I was thinking, right? Oh, man, we could. Yeah, we could definitely get into some creatures. We could thinking, shit on the relic for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking mimic the, the cockroaches. Yeah, that yeah, like that's another good one, right? species well when you have a creature feature that has to be the key right like that has yeah. to be everything has to everything in your production when you're thinking of it as making a movie or telling a story you have to you have to center around that right that has to be the epicenter yeah. and then you have to plan around that yeah man let's let's do a creature that would be a fun episode. one man we should actually deconstruct like it's not talking about the coolest creatures it would be talking about like the most effective use of creatures in a movie and I guess uneffectives. Why do those creatures work? I mean, for, for me, the top is probably the xenomorph. I think it's one of the most incredibly designed and like the ecology that comes with that until it was I was going to say, by... you can even get two movies or three movies into that mythos, which where you're still yeah. like the second movie gives you things that the first movie didn't. The third movie is not as strong as the first two, but I still love it. And it does take that stuff to a slightly different level, which is, I think, fun and interesting. Well, and something that the movies never figured out, but the comic books did is, and the toy lines did, is yeah. face hugger plus animal equals cooler xenomorph. And they never quite pull those off again. The where third it's like, one tries. And if you've ever watched like the director's cut, yeah, they, there was more about that. They specifically mentioned that more and show that more in the the director's cut of Alien 3. But like, that's why I love the alien toys so much. The toy yeah. line was so incredible because you had like the gorilla alien. That was my first one. Arms. The snake alien, which I got somewhere in the launch pad. We have, I mean, there's such cool ideas behind The original that. ones were gorilla, scorpion, and bull, I think. The Maybe bull I'm with missing. the horns. Yeah. yeah. And, his and his neck would extend out so he could ram a yeah. figure. Yeah. How cool is that? And I mean, the Pred Alien, of course, was the was the fantasy 
that us nerds had well before it was ever designed. Yeah. So cool. Oh, man. Yeah, we got to get into some creature features, bro. That would be a fun episode for sure. And that's one of those ones that I feel like you and I would prep enough to give us like three or four episodes worth of shit. You know, like uh, we'll have to really prioritize that because we could very easily go. Maybe we can do a double. You guys are now part of our brainstorming session. <laughs> Maybe we could do a double where we talk about like creature features done right and creature features done wrong. Like the movies that drop the ball on it. And there's so many reasons why the ball gets dropped. And, and it's tough because budget. I mean, anytime you got to cr- make a creature feature, making the creature is not an easy task. Like mm-hmm. we were talking with the cicada guys, it costs a lot to make even just one giant right. cicada. Mm-hmm. And pulling, pulling it off in a movie is difficult. And even if you make, there's movies that have made bitchin' creatures and shot them shittily or, yeah. or utilized them throughout the story shittily. So you have this great thing that you either don't get to see, you don't get to see its full potential, or you see it too early, you see it too late, or, you know... Boogans! Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that was my number one. Boogans. Oh, man. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen Boogans, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, all right, well, that's a side topic. We'll get into that. What else have you been watching, brother? So I've had three weeks off from work, which is just fucking great, and I have had such a nice vacation for the first time in years where like I got a lot of shit done. I did an entire six week course in three weeks. So I'm really happy that I started and finished that. But like, I also got some good relaxing done. Oh, great. He's talking about homework now. Skip 30 seconds. <laughs> Skip 30 seconds. <laughs> Is that higher or like above or below farts? <laughs> farts are at least funny. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Friday, though, I got like a little bit of work done in the day in the morning and then I ran and I was like, OK, the rest of the day, I'm just fucking off. I'm going to fucking eat Oreos and like binge TV and movies. So I threw on I was like, I'm in the mood for an action movie. I want a guy in a tack vest with a, you know, a machine gun weaving in and out of cars, shooting at people. So the first thing I thought of was uh, 2020's Netflix movie Extraction starring Chris Helmsworth. Oh, yeah. Thor, huh? I hadn't seen it. I'd heard it was brutal and sometimes like overly violent. And that's all I knew. And I knew he had a tack vest on and a machine gun. And I was like, okay, let's see where this goes. Yeah. Nothing in it that is nothing in it that makes it different than any other movie any other movie aside from one really cool. Now he's burping. <laughs> so, no, I don't, that wasn't a joke. Uh, but there was one scene that is a quote unquote one take thing. It makes you feel like it's like about 11 or 12 minutes. That's one take and it's an action sequence and it was awesome. And I love those. Now, I feel like I don't want to say they're overly done right now, but I feel like in the last three or four years, it's been a hot thing to include one long fight scene. Sometimes they can get gimmicky or sometimes like it's done and it looks OK and it's long. But then it feels long and you're like, why, what are you bringing into this by making it long? This scene starts with two guys running into a car while being shot at and they're returning fire. They jump in the car and you follow them, not in the car, you're following their car. There's a car chase that involves multiple cars crashing, flipping over each other and everything. The camera is spinning in different directions. The camera watches some of the people that are chasing them. The camera goes into their car at one point, and it still all is believably one shot. And it keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. That car ends up stopping. The guys get out of that car and run through essentially like a housing complex, like an apartment complex. There's a lot of up-close fighting, gun kata type things where like you're grabbing a guy's gun, punching him with your gun, shooting him in the face with your gun, fighting, fighting. Those two guys split up, I think at least once, if not twice, and we follow one and then eventually come back around and meet with the other. There's fighting through apartments, punching through windows, and it all still feels like one thing. Then there's a big fight scene on the street between those uh, a big bad and one of our guys multiple people get hit by cars where if if it effectively hides a a cut, but like still then the scene continues on more of a car chase. And it really is like, it's one of those things that like my brain was like, this is all one, this is all one shot, you know, quote unquote one shot. I know it's not sure. There's, there's secret edits. You're like, this is a really fun sequence. And every time I never felt like what we said, what I said earlier about the prequels and about the Avengers movie, I never felt bored 
the last fight sequence take the, of the movie, like the climax of the movie takes a little bit long and it's kind of a foregone conclusion. But like in that long 12 minute sequence, it was like that balloon knocking the balloon up of interest that you, the analogy that you use. Yeah. You want to explain what it is so everyone knows okay. what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, So the balloon analogy, I always say when I watch a movie, it, the balloon starts in the air and it starts to sink. And every time something cool happens, you bop the balloon back up in the air. And that gives you, that gives the movie some grace period while the balloon is so slowly descending to bop it up again. But if it hits the ground, I, I have lost interest and right. the movie is, is, is quickly tanking for me. If it's sitting on the ground and then you, you can pop the balloon. But for most part, like a bitch and fight scene bops the balloon up for a little bit, like a cool reveal of a character or a monster or mm-hmm. a cool death pops the balloon up a bit. And like, especially with shitty movies, like some good kills or a good creature or a, a well done piece will give you a nice good bop and keep that thing up in the air for a few more minutes. And there are times where I'm watching a movie and I know it's time for a bop. I'm like, you got to bop that balloon again. Otherwise, you're going to lose me. This didn't yeah. happen in this whole 12 minute sequence, but they did keep giving plenty of bops. It was awesome. Chris Helmsworth is, does. He, he looks cool. He does a great job like kicking ass and shooting, fighting people. It's interesting. He is a diehard action figure where he's getting his ass kicked. And in the first battle, he's covered in blood. It looks like the end battle where like you're like, oh, no, the hero really took some hits. He's fucking dying at the end of the first battle. And then he continues like he's he gets the shit kicked out of him in this first battle. So it's the, the movie starts. We learn that there's a drug dealer in jail. His son gets taken by a rival drug dealer. It's a huge money thing. So they hire these mercenaries to try to steal the son back. The guys who hire them have their own reasons to get the son back and they double cross them. And I'm not I'm not giving anything away. This is the this is the beginning of the first act. Chris Hemsworth and his team get the kid back immediately, but then the double cross happens and shit goes south hard. And essentially, Chris Hemsworth is with this kid in this city, and the city gets locked down by the drug deal, by the drug lord who's in, tar- in charge. So now they're literally stuck in the city, and they have to get extracted. So he's trying to get to a certain point to get out of there and get the kid out. Is he a mercenary? What's mm-hmm. his... Okay. Mercenary. But he okay. it, it, he's a mercenary. We keep seeing blurry flashbacks to a child's feet dancing in the water at the beach, so you know he's got some backstory where a kid died right sure nothing new in that way and we've seen movies where your character or characters are stuck in a place trying to get out but it does a good job of i think keeping that tension where you kind of feel like them where you feel like what's around this next corner like everything is hostile like even if the person that you see is not trying to kill you or tell the bad guys where you are they're certainly not helping you you're in an unknown city the entire mm-hmm. city is on lockdown. Pretty brutal. Kid gets thrown off a roof. There's a lot of hardcore shooting and fighting. It's fun. The the fight scenes, and that's the other thing too, is the normal fight scenes, a lot of nice wides, a lot of nice mediums. It's not just all close up shaky cam, shaky, shaky cam, cam, shaky bullshit, cam. Shaky cam, bullshit, yeah. No, it's, it's really fun. The fights are really good. Some really cool sequences. Not John Wick level where you're just like, oh my God, but like- yeah. John Fun. Wick was beautiful, though. That And that's right. the thing. John Wick is a next level thing where it said, look, we're not aiming for gritty realness. We want it to be brutal and we want it to be visceral. We want you to feel it. But we also want to make this like magical to watch in mm. the environments that we put them in. And John Wick three, when they're in the knife shop and everybody's yeah. smashing windows and yeah. fighting with knives. Throwing knives. What a beautiful scene. The scene where they're in the glass, like hotel roof, like museum or something. There's all, they're in this like art yeah, installation. Giant, yeah. And a it's giant just all, Ikea shelf. <laughs> yeah. It's all like reflections and, and what a, what a gorgeous like location. That's production value through yeah. the roof. So it's like, there's a difference. I think John Wick was like elevating visually what these action movies could do. I can't wait to watch this movie. I really want to see Extraction. It's been on my list. I just it's haven't worth had the time. watch. It's you know it's it's like don't put it don't bump it up as because I'm telling you it's fun. It's definitely not worth a bump up. But it's you know if you just want to throw popcorn in your mouth and and drink a beer or drink a drink or while you're watching a movie and just be like that was a fucking cool scene. You're not going to cheer about it per se. How long is the one shot? You said it was like twelve minutes. I didn't realize when I was watching it. It feels ex- it feels extremely long, but in the best way possible. I did some research and I read that it was it's an 11 minute and something something second thing 
where they shot for weeks and, and tried to take like some shots and scenes and sequences had to take 25 takes or 25 cuts yeah. just to make it fit up because it really, for every cut I saw, there must have been at least one cut that I didn't see. So I really want to do, now that we're talking about, I want to do an episode called The One Cut and talk about not only good one cut scenes because there's one in The Protector uh, a Tony mm. Jaw movie where it's like a 12 minute fight scene. And again, all of these are meant to look like one shot, but not all of them are filmed as one shot. Right. And like, that's a big difference. Like I think this 12 minute Tony Jaw one might actually be them following him actually, for 12 minutes and yeah. beating the shit out of each other, throwing guys off, off roofs and fighting his that way up to the top. That would be a fun episode too. Cause we, I know we've talked about it in the past, just not yeah. on the show per se, but you and I have talked about that. We saw one death sentence. We yeah. saw had a really cool, long sequence in it where camera was being passed from different crew members. It's so cool. And like 1917, which came out uh, in Mm. 2019 was all shown as one shot, which was incredible how they pulled it off. And then like uh, hardcore Henry, which I think is one of the best one shot movies. And I love that movie and that, and like, and, and children of men has an incredible one shot in it. And the one shot is a very impressive thing when you can pull it off. But like you said, you need to keep bopping that balloon. You need, cause it can suddenly become tiresome because there's so many things that editing was invented for so right. that we're not watching the full sequence of, okay, now I'm going down the stairs. Now I'm going to get into this car. Now I'm going to drive to this next location and keep it going to be able to keep the transitions interesting. You have to like, you have to be really creative about it. And I think 1917 was brilliant in how it was able to keep me interested, even when he's just like walking through a town and, yeah, yeah. and, and not doing anything or riding in a van the whole time he's in a van talking to people. I was like, how'd they get in the van? How are they? Yeah, how's yeah. the camera still following him? And it's like, it's like you said, like editing, editing is a way to make a movie, but it also is a way to keep it visually interesting to you because it's a tool. It's a tool that filmmakers use. and the best editor and the best filmmaker don't let you, the audience, realize how the editing is playing a part. But when you watch a boring-ass scene, editing is probably part of why it's boring. So when you watch a movie, especially a movie like 1917, which is all theoretically one or two takes, the fact that you're not using that to... I mean, they're using it to trick us, but the fact that you can't cut away from a shot or cut away from a conversation is hard. And I think in an action movie like this one, like Extraction, the, the gamble there is if you make it too long, the fighting becomes boring. Even if it's bitching fighting, it becomes boring. A lot of, I feel like, uh, Revenge of the Sith was like that. They tried to do one long fight scene at the beginning, and it's like, uh, just And the big, even the, the fight scene where they're fighting in lava at the end of Revenge yeah. of the Sith at, at uh, Mustafar... It just takes forever where like 20 minutes in, you're like, I don't care. I'm yeah. thinking about things that aren't even Star Wars anymore. But this this is worth it. And it's a, it's a, you know what? I don't recognize the director, but I'll see who what else he did. But this was written by Joe Russo, who we've mentioned a lot of Avengers stuff this today. He's done a ton of a ton of Avengers stuff. Oh, he did. He was he's a stunt guy, I guess, that did Endgame and he did Atomic Blonde. Which was a oh. terrible movie, but it had cool great fight fights. Yeah, great that fights. movie was such a boring James Bond crap off. But yeah, so I guess the director scenes. of that is a big stunt guy. He did Extraction and a bunch of shorts on IMDb. So the Extraction was his first. It's pretty good. Since you brought up editing, can I bring up? I saw one of the worst edited films I've seen over the Christmas break. I saw maybe two or three of the worst edited films of all time, and they're all <laughs> in the same franchise. Yeah, so. I went back and revisited the Silent Night, Deadly Night franchise. Yeah. Because I had seen the first one and I had never seen the second one or the third or the fourth one. So I went back and watched them. First one is pretty good. It's a solid movie. It's a solid, great, classic Santa It's historical, movie. right? Like, yeah. it's not great, but it's historical. So then the second one, I'm watching it and it's 45 minutes <laughs> of the, the first, first movie. <laughs> and then it turns into its own movie and it matches the kills the same number it kills 14 people after showing you the 14 kills from the first movie padding that that like death count but it's terrible most of the kills are terrible it's trash day yeah. <laughs> shoots the guy which i love that's my favorite one uh, it's hysterical the second one was 
hilariously bad, but pretty damn bad. Is the second one the one with the umbrella kill? Mm, it's all blending together now. It's, yeah, two and three. Two and three are very similar, if I remember. Yes, correctly. I think two has the umbrella kill. Yes, so three might be the worst edited film I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you get Bill Mosley with like a cool like glass dome on his head, and you can mm-hmm. see his brain. But the movie's so fucking boring. I can't even. I can't even care about it. <laughs> all of the kills are what I'm calling like camera ram, where the camera would just ram into somebody's face while they screamed, and you don't see anything. <laughs> There is a scene that literally was over a minute long of a woman drinking a water bottle before she could, like, somebody asks her a question. He goes, yeah, hold on. Glug, 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 glug for a minute. Just her drinking a water bottle. And then she's like, "Ah, yeah, yep, that's true. That is definitely the answer to that question. And then they sit in silence for a nice beat. And then it cuts away. And I was like, three is the one where they go to a house, right? Go to the house and watch TV with her. Yeah, the camera just yeah. sits and watches her watch TV, and what she's watching is the second movie for some reason or something like that. Like <laughs> it, it's unbelievable. What a terrible movie! It was so bad. And then Silent Night Deadly Night Four was the, the Halloween Three. Right? Yeah, Halloween Three of the Silent Night Deadly Night because it's suddenly like witches. Yeah, holy witches shit! And witches. Aliens and people blowing up, right? And bugs. Yeah, like yep. weird bugs, Bug scream, screaming mad George stuff. Has some good kills, though. I will give it some good kills. Like, so weird and not even that good, but super weird. If you want to see some good Clint Howard weirdness, that's a movie for you. Yeah. <laughs> and then I watched uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, the, the toy, maker. toy Maker, and that was awesome. Yeah, we've watched that multiple times for Shitty Movie Sunday, and also, I remember as a kid, the cover, the box art, We and we did a, a great episode, well, a fun, I won't say it's great because that's patting ourselves in the back, but it was great. We did a fun episode about the, the the box, the VHS box covers that we remember growing yeah. up. I That's remember one. Silent Night, Deadly Night 1. I remember 2, and I definitely remember 5. A little boy yeah. sitting in his closet with all these evil-looking plush animals, right? Yeah. There are no evil-looking plush animals Zero. in this movie. Nope. But there's a cool like bug toy that crawls inside of a guy and sucks his eyes out from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a horrifying robot child with an Oedipal complex who's like, mommy, I'm horny. Like, so fucking creepy. Like, that scene alone at the end, you're just like, I don't know what I'm watching. This is, I don't know if I'm okay with this. It's so freaking weird. Uh, you get Mickey Rooney as a crazy toy maker. Whose Do you name remember is what hit? Yep. Petto. Joe Petto. Joe Petto. <laughs> and it's not Joe Pedophile. It's Joe Petto from Pinocchio. And what's his creepy robot kid's name? I don't remember. Pino. <laughs> ah, that's pretty subtle nod there. Silent Night, Deadly Night <laughs> Five. Yeah, Pedo and Pino. <laughs> weird. It is the weirdest movie. It's so bonkers. But that one actually redeemed quite a bit because yeah, ugh, that's th- fun. I have them all. Three I've watched was terrible. Them all. I think I watched four last year. I think I watched three and four last year. You really don't need to watch two, three, or four unless you really want to try it. I did watch Silent Night, the 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 sort of remake, remake? of Silent Night Deadly. Yeah, that one wasn't bad. It had some it's really good fine. kills. It's a little bit meaner, you know. It's a 2012, so yeah, it's like it's everybody's not fun. everybody's really cynical and not having fun with it. And I like the kill. the ki- The kills were great. It's like that's worth it alone. But it did one of these things. I mean, spoiler alert, here's a film from 2012, a shitty slasher movie. <laughs> if you're in it for the plot, I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil it. But <laughs> at the end, they're like, the killer's nobody. And it's like, yeah, wait, right, right. what? The whole time you're expecting a reveal. Like one of the big points of a slasher movie is they're all kind of a whodunit. And, you know, not necessarily like you're watching a Jason movie, and you know who it is, but you want the reveal. You want to see his face. You want to see the killer. You want to confront the killer. And this movie, he just kind of gets away. And at the end, they're like, oh, and this is who the killer was. And you're like, who's that guy? And they're like, yeah, remember him? We, we kind of alluded to it being this like psycho crazy guy who travels town to town punishing people. Like, that's not a fun killer. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's he stole my reveal. Yeah. Yeah. The reveal was just not worth it. That's like the shitty creature feature uh, thing that we talked about. Like, no, you showed that yeah. wrong. You did it wrong. And I think, I think the whole premise, the, the directors or the producers were like, wouldn't it be cool if we did a, a, a slasher movie where the slasher was just nobody. They just came out of nowhere and they just did it because they're evil and then they get away. 
And they're like, yeah, let's make a movie about that. And then you watch it, and in execution, you're like, oh, this is why nobody does that. Because right? Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason that there's there are norms, right? You don't have to always yeah. follow norms, but they're norms for a reason. And I don't mind if you break the norm, but you got to do it in a cooler way than that. You can't just be like, oh, and the killer was this guy. Speaking of that, have you ever seen Psycho Five break the norm? Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. You said with a dot, dot, dot question mark after it. Stop it. But is that real? Psycho 5, break the norm. I mean, Psycho 2 is much better than it gets any right to be. Yeah, the sequels are not as bad as you'd think they'd be. They're just not. I mean, Psycho 1 is fucking groundbreaking. Like, it's so good. Yeah. The other ones are not groundbreaking, but like, okay, they're fine. Well, that's all I got. That's all I had time to watch. <laughs> Still, it's, it's pretty good. Five films of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah, and d- dude. TV shows. And, and this is in the same episode that you're explaining to people that partly because of your new child, you have to like do less work for the show. They're like, watch less shitty yeah, movies. They're like, You'll uh, be fine. You spent a total of nine and a half hours watching shitty Christmas horror movies that you said you didn't even like that much. I mean, I was watching them while feeding a baby on my iPhone, to be fair. So it's not like I could have been editing podcasts while I was doing <laughs> that was a good I, you and i watched a christmas horror movie with my kid kent we watched uh deadly games or uh, dial yeah. cold santa claus right so good that's a great that's a really weird movie i like it though give me one second because i watched a gr- oh just chewing up dead air <laughs> let me see if i got any good caveman jokes to fill in the time good like we did our homework or anything <laughs> Well, I wasn't really prepared to talk about this, but there is a movie, a Christmas horror movie that I watched that was like, I liked it, but I don't know if it was good or if it was awesome or not. It was called Once Upon a Time at Christmas, 2017. Okay. It was on Hulu. Every year I look for ones that I haven't seen. And this year I watched like two or three that I had seen years ago and I watched the first five minutes and I was like, oh, this is that Swedish one? Never mind. This one is two serial killers, Mr. and Mrs. Claus. The woman who plays Mrs. Claus wants so badly to be Harley Quinn. I she just her like pigtails alone. Yeah. It just, and she tries so hard. She's easily the worst part of the movie. She overacts the whole time. The idea is that there is... They're, they're killing these people in this town and they're killing them in such a way that it's like there's two cops, an older cop and a younger cop, and they're trying to figure out why are these killings are happening? Who's doing this? And there seems to be a reason, but they're trying to figure it out like seven style. Like why? And they start to figure out the first murder. There was one victim. The second murder. There were two victims. On the, the third day of Christmas, dude, and it's like gave to me. 30 seconds of the movie, you're like, wait, is this what this is about? And then they do reveal it later where they're like, but they get up to like 10. It's like 10 lore. And by that point, they've started to be like um, the three French hens. The people who are killed are called the Frenchens. And like, that's the that's their last name is Frenchen. And it says it on their mailbox. So it's supposed to be like. I think it's supposed to be like one of those things where you watch it and then like they thought you would go back and rewatch it and be like, oh, the mailbox oh. says French N, French hen. And you're like, no, I fucking knew that 20 minutes in, man. But the kills are okay. It's fun. Like, that's what it is. It's fun. It's a fun Christmas movie. And talk about one shot. There's actually a really cool thing where I didn't even think of this. This fucking fits perfectly. The FBI, quote unquote, comes in and it's just fucking three or four other idiots. They're just same. The the quality of acting in this movie. I'll get into that in a second. The FBI comes in and they take over the local police station because the local police station is not able to handle this. There's a shot where the FBI guys, they've been there for like one or two scenes now. They're in this small police station, which just looks like a front office of a, of a building. The camera follows one FBI guy down a hallway. He makes a sharp left turn and there's a little coffee station. He makes his coffee. The camera stays with him and he comes back. And when he comes back into the room, everybody in the room is dead. And they did it in one shot for sure. And I know how they did it. They just had crew. I think they had crew rush in, throw some slit throats on there. And it was not very gory. It was like you don't see the deaths. You just see them dead. And there's not a lot of detail. But I wasn't expecting that. And it was like you said before, it's a really cool way to pop that balloon up because I wasn't expecting it. 
and you got to give a production credit because that's a hard thing to do. It's way harder to do than to cut it like a regular scene. So yeah. I thought that was really fun. The acting, there's one or two people in this movie who can act okay for a Cinemax movie or like, you know, a, a Showtime movie. Yeah. There's a couple people in this movie who are terrible, terrible, terrible actors. There's <laughs> other people that I'm excited that they were in this movie because clearly they'd never talked to or interacted with human beings before. And I feel that being on a professional film shoot probably gave them the experience they needed to talk to other human beings. <laughs> I, I already can tell that person, like I can see that actor in my mind because they're the people who can't control the volume of their voice when they say lines mm -hmm. or like the emphasis on the right syllable when I talk to you. There is also the two other examples and this one we've all seen is the people who are smiling through the entire scene, even when they're getting choked to death. And they let the woman go, and she slides down the wall to the floor with just a little smirk, like as if she was hoping for that. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> There's that one, and then there I'm was... In, the movie. <laughs> in that scene that I... I think it was the, the a cop FBI scene, they're supposed to be good-natured ribbing each other. And one guy criticizes another guy about like how fast something happens. He makes an implication to the other guy that his wife knows how fast he has sex. And the other guy makes a joke to him back about like his penis size. Something that you would do with a friend at work. But it is said with one of those people, like I said, who's never had an interaction with another person before. So it comes across as like the most stilted dialogue when it should be two guys, co-workers who bust each other's balls all the time. And I know like on the, on the page, that probably looked like a decent scene. But when you had them talk it to each other, it was just like, I will just say these words. Yeah, your wife knows how that is. Ha ha. Yeah, she knows how small it is. High five. You know, it's like they do that. <laughs> but like it's it's a fun enough movie, and this is one that like if you guys you guys know Christmas horror movies are my favorite genre movie yeah. ever. This is worth checking out. It's not a groundbreaking one. I don't know if I'll buy it. If I don't know if it needs to be in the collection, but like I'll throw it in the vote next year for Shitty Movie Sunday for sure. I kind of want to give that a check out because it does sound hysterical. Once upon a time at Christmas, it was 2017, and it was on Hulu at least a couple weeks ago. Real quick, we could do more about this episode, this movie that I'm about to bring up, but I, I totally forgot. I watched Freaky. It just came out like this year. I saw it on video on demand. Oh, so I know someone who watched it and said it was fun, but go, yeah, let me hear what you think. It was really fun. Now, I think this movie is supposed to be called Freaky Friday the 13th, but Friday the 13th franchise was like, no. So it, those of you who know what Freaky Friday is, it's like a teenager and her mom swap places and people who know what Friday the 13th is serial killer so freaky is a teenager swaps bodies with a serial killer and so a teenage girl is in a serial killer's body and a serial killer is inside a teenage girl's body and hilarity ensues it's really fun i had a great time with it, it has some good kills it is a blumhouse so it you know there's a lot of like the kills have a little bit of practical but a lot of cgi blood okay whatever it's clever there's some funny bits some of the characters are a little too over the top and then the movie catches up with them. Like mm -hmm. they knew that this movie was goofy, but the movie doesn't start out as goofy as some of these characters are. It's interesting because there's like a gay best friend character who starts off really over the top, almost to the point that I'd be interesting to see if some people were like, it's offensive. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like when we talk about Tammy and the T-Rex, the character Byron is the, is the gay best friend character and he's super over the top, but he's really fun. And I thought like the movie did a good job of being inclusive to his character. Mm. So I, I'm interested to see what people say about this movie, about that character. But I think the movie catches up with that character's like over the top sort of portrayal as the movie gets more over the top. And then you're like, okay, everybody, everybody fits into the movie now. And you don't have this one character who sticks out like a sore thumb because he's being sort of a caricature. It'll be interesting to see what, what people think about this movie. All right. I liked it though. I think it was really fun. Cracked me up. The kills were cool. And I think the main character does a great job playing a serial killer, like as a teenage girl. And then Vince Vaughn, who is the serial killer, does a great job playing a teenage girl. I think it was really fun. I think he did a great job in it too. Worth watching that. Worth watching. Yeah, for sure. It's not going to be for everybody, but I think it's worth checking out at least to be like, oh, cool premise. And they pulled it off pretty well. Their mom pulled it off pretty well. 
High five. Good joke, bro. Brother. Well, this has been our podcast, Launchpad Podcast. You should correspond with us on social media. Man, we brought up a lot. I'm gonna drop I'm gonna drop the stilted <laughs> scripted nature. We talked about creature features, guys. Let us know what creatures we should be talking about when we do our creature feature episode. Let us know on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod and our website launchpadpod.com. Like we said, guys. We will be kicking it off every other week from here on out. After this drop, you will have to wait two weeks for another episode of the Launchpad Podcast, but it's okay because it's going to be a bitchin' one while we get down with the yuck yucks. The yuck yucks are not guaranteed. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on your tolerance for caveman jokes and farts. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, buddy, let's blast this thing off. Oh, again with the fart jokes, guys? Real cool. (laughs) I mean, I guess it's been in our handshake since the beginning, so people should know what's going on. (laughs) It is based on a fart joke. For those of you who don't know, watch the movie Ice Cream Man starring... Ice Cream Man. Clint Clint Howard. Howard. (laughs) Oh, man. What a treasure. What a treasure. (laughs) So good, man. All right. Well, this has been fun. We've been the Rocketeers, and we are out. sequence start. Six, five, four, three, Lift off. We have a lift off.